morning, everybody. Hey, again, you are welcome. The sun, apparently, it's going to be moving on us, so find some shade. Uh, we're going to continue in this account of Jonah, right? And we're learning a lot about God and who he is, and we're going to see God act today. We're in Jonah chapter 1. Uh, we only got through a couple verses, so we know that, that the word of the Lord came to his prophet, his mouthpiece, Jonah. And he said, Jonah, go east Arise, go to Nineveh and call out against the city, the people of Nineveh, because their sin has, has reached its full measure and, and it's come up before me. And God called him, and this is the call on Jonah. His life is to follow God and his good work that he has for him to do in Nineveh. And Jonah gets up and goes as far west as he can to flee the Lord's presence, which you can't do. But Jonah wants to get away from this assignment. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. Those guys are horrible. He wants them to burn. Just destroy them now. So we see that he has turned, but this just ain't going to work out well for Jonah. But now in verse 4, chapter 1, we see God respond. So in Jonah, chapter 1, verse 4, Lord, teach us from your word today. Our hearts are open. They're bent towards you. Would you teach us something true about you? Um, or Lord, would you remind us something true that we have forgotten in Jesus' name, amen. Jonah chapter one, verse four, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Jonah is sailing along thinking that he's gonna make it to Tarshish and the Lord sends a wind. And the, the literal word there is hurl. The Lord hurled, and that word means to like throw a spear. God hurls a storm at this boat and a violent wind comes up and the ship, the ship is even threatening to break up. You guys, ships, they don't threaten things. They're, they're not, they're inanimate. They're not people, but there's this personification that even the ship is threatening saying, I can't hold it together. I'm going to break up. Um, we see through this story of Jonah that God acts sovereignly even through his created order. He right now uses wind and he uses a ship and he uses a boat. He's gonna later use a fish. God is gonna use a, a plant and a worm and all of these things are gonna serve God's purposes. Shouldn't we serve God's purposes too? Aren't we God's creation and yet even his creation, they're going to come alongside and they're going to help, they're, they're going to come alongside and, and, and accomplish his good purposes. Jonah should be realizing this just ain't going to work out. Running against the Lord just ain't going to work out. What does Jonah use? Kids, help me. What are a couple things that Jonah uses to try to escape from the Lord's presence? Yeah, just shout it out. A boat. He hops on a boat. What else? Uh, what does a boat need to, to move back in those days? Yeah, it, it needs wind, right? He uses the ocean. He tries to use all of these things to flee against God. And look what God does. God uses all of those things to come against Jonah. The sea, the wind, even the boat, they oppose Jonah and they cooperate with God. Jonah, this just ain't gonna work out for you. When I was in fourth grade, do we have any fourth graders here near there? Fourth grade, one morning on the playground of my school, I decided that I was going to try to do something to, I was trying to impress the older kids. In fact, especially this girl that I was trying to impress on the playground. And I thought, I came up with this horrible idea. I said, you know what would impress these older kids? 
a filthy mouth. A filthy mouth. If I start swearing and throwing out every cuss word that I've ever heard, somehow that's going to impress them and they're going to think I'm cool. I devised this plan. Totally. That is not going the way God has called us with our language that we'd be holy and honorable. I decided to go the other way that morning. So I get there at the playground and all these kids around and I just start hurling swear words. Anything I'd ever heard. And I bet you it was horrible. I wasn't even grammatically correct. Adjectives, verbs, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm just like spewing out, thinking they're going to be impressed. And these older kids just got disgusted. And one of the kids I was trying to impress immediately walks away and says, I'm telling the teacher. And my heart, like, like immediately my heart drops and I'm trying to pretend cool. Like, I don't care. I did care. And she goes over to the playground duty. I see her tell the playground duty that points at me. Playground duty walks over right to me. And she says, hey, I hear you have a filthy mouth. And I remember exactly what I said. I, I, I think I saw this in a movie. I'm like, yeah, I, I think I need to clean it out with soap or something, you know. And she said, come with me. And then I did the walk of shame. The walk of shame across the whole playground in front of all these kids I was trying to impress. We walk all the way and she sits me on the wall. You guys know the wall, right? The wall where all the bad kids have to sit and where everybody else that's arriving at school sees and I'm sitting there on the wall and I'm sitting there going, you know what? This just ain't gonna work out. You know, a, a disobeying God trying to impress people in those ways ain't gonna work out. And it's funny because the person I was trying to impress, she turned on me and she's the one that went and, got, and told the teacher. Same thing with Jonah. He tries to use the wind and the sea to, to flee from God. And it's those things that God uses to get him back on track, to oppose him. So we continue on. There's other characters in this story that Jonah is putting in danger. Verse five, all the sailors were afraid because of the storm and they each cried out to his own God. These sailors, they don't worship the one true God. They worship false gods and idols and a bunch of them. So they're calling out to their idols and to their, their, their false gods to save them. And they threw the cargo into the sea. What's cargo? Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like uh, equipment, luggage, items. They, and, and the Lord is there, they hurl. God hurls a storm. Now they start hurling cargo because the cargo is just weighing them down. Uh, it's, it's putting their lives in danger. So they're hurling the cargo into the sea to save the ship, to lighten it up. But Jonah had gone below deck. He, he's, he's descending down downward. He's below deck and he lay down and he fell into a deep sleep. Verse six, the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep, Jonah? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we won't die. We won't perish. Verse seven, then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this storm. Who's responsible for this calamity? And so they cast lots and they fell on Jonah. Side note, casting lots is just an ancient way that uh, they would uh, make decisions. They would sometimes take rocks or items and maybe you know, indicate it by a, a name of a person. They'd put it in a container. They'd shake it up and whichever one of those popped out, they said, okay, there's our answer. Kind of like uh, our way of uh, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. You guys ever do eeny, meeny, miny, mo? You need to make a decision who's it or whatever. Or I used to do uh, bubble gum, bubble gum in a dish. How many pieces do you wish? Okay, good. Yeah, so we've heard it too. Engine, engine number nine. You guys ever do that one? Coming across uh, Chicago line, if the train should jump the tracks, do you want your money back? No. 
You guys, we all put our feet in. It's just, it's just those kind of random ways of making decisions. And yet really weird in that sometimes in the scriptures, God actually sanctions this method. And in this point, the lot, that little item comes out and it falls, it's Jonah. Who's, who's responsible for this storm? And the sailors go, it's Jonah, this guy, it's his fault. Now, I never see any command in scripture that you are to make major decisions by casting lots. I'm just letting you guys know. I'm sure you can ask your dad when they were deciding maybe who to marry, they didn't say, well, is it Becky or Sally? You know, I'm just gonna put them in and shake it up. You know, don't make decisions that way. There's better ways to make decisions. Jonah, uh, verse eight. Um, so they, they came, the sailors come to Jonah and they ask him all these questions. Tell us, who is responsible for making this trouble, this storm? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? They wanna know more about Jonah because they know it's his fault that this storm is coming and they might die. Look at Jonah's response in verse nine. Verse nine, Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, meaning I'm from Israel. I'm, I'm one of God's chosen people. I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. What a joke. What a joke. He's fleeing from God. He's fleeing from the Lord. He's disobeying. And he says, oh, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord. To worship God is not just to sing songs. It's actually to do what God asks us. It's to obey him. Jonah says that he worships the Lord, but he contradicts that by his actions. The sailors are shocked. They're shocked that he would defy his God. And, and, and now it places the whole crew in mortal danger. Verse 11, the sea is getting rougher and rougher. We thought it was a horrible storm already. The ship is threatening to break up and the storm is just getting worse. And so they asked Jonah, they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Verse 12, Jonah says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Like you've been hurling cargo, hurl me into the ocean. He replied, and it will become calm. Jonah says, I know that this is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. A, a moment, we, I have a hard time figuring out what Jonah's heart is right here. Jonah acknowledges that it's his fault, but yet he, he's not repentant. He doesn't. Instead, what if he would have said, God, I've been running from you. I confess that. And God, I will go and do what you have called. We, Jonah doesn't do that. Instead, he says, listen, guys, throw me into the ocean. And we wonder if Jonah is so defiant, because he knows if they throw him into the sea that he's gonna die. Maybe Jonah is so defiant and he's saying to God, I would rather die than go to Nineveh. Instead of even turning and obeying you, I'd rather be thrown into the ocean, thrown into the sea. I'd rather perish than preach. Well, the, the sailors, they don't, they don't wanna kill him. <laughs> they, they don't want him to die. Verse 13, instead, these men, they did their best to row back to land. Literally, they dug their oars into the water. They're trying as hard as they can to spare Jonah, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Verse 14, then the sailors, they cry out to God, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. They've made a decision. Jonah's going in the water. 
They're, they're going to do it. Don't, he said, they don't, Lord, don't let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Time out. Who are these guys calling out to to save them earlier in this chapter? They're gods, right? They, they didn't know the, the Lord, the one true God of, of, of the heavens and the earth. They didn't. And now it's upside down. Jonah, who, who says he worships the Lord, he's disobeying them. These pagan sailors, the ones who worship all these other gods right now, they're calling out to the one true God. And they're, they're crying out to him. And they say, Lord, you have done as you have pleased. Verse 15, then they took Jonah and they, they hurl him overboard. Can you picture that? They hurl this guy into the ocean and guess what happens? The sea grew calm. Can you imagine that? They're like, wow, we're doing whatever we could. And they hurled Jonah just like they hurled cargo. They hurled the cargo earlier because the cargo was doing nothing but weighing them down and putting their life in danger. And now Jonah is treated just like cargo. Jonah's presence is doing nothing but weighing that ship down and putting other lives in danger. Jonah, you were made for so much more than just being cargo. God has a purpose. God has a plan and it's a difficult one. And yet when we run from God, when we go our own way, we weigh people down and we put other lives in danger. Dads, you know, when if you turn from the ways of the Lord and you begin to go your own way, you are bringing disaster not only upon you, but that affects your whole family. It affects your neighborhood. It affects your workplace. And God has made us for so much more than this. He's invited us to trust him and to go where he calls us. Verse 16, and so now um, two more verses in this chapter. The author, now there's two scenes going on because where is Jonah at this time? Where is he? He's in the water and he's sinking. He's going down, down. But now the author wants to just tell us a little bit about what happened still on the boat now that the sea has, has calmed down. Verse 16, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. Feared, meaning that now they now honor God in reverence. They, they acknowledge God himself, and they greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows to him. Vows are, are simply public expression that you're gonna continue in faithful worship to this God. It's upside down. It's upside down. These guys are grateful that the Lord has delivered them. And now we find in verse 17, Jonah is his downward descent, remember? God told him, get up and go to Nineveh. And Jonah gets up and he goes down to Joppa to catch a boat. He goes down into the ship. Now he's thrown into the water and he's sinking deeper and deeper. The water is getting colder and colder. The pressure in Jonah's ears is getting you know, more intense. You guys ever go down deeper in water and, and you're feeling it and it's getting darker and darker. Jonah is on the brink of death. He's a goner. What hope does he have? He's seconds away from certain death. Jonah has given up on God and he's given up on God's call in his life. 
but God has not given up on Jonah. The story doesn't end here. This could have been the end of Jonah. Yep, he's done. He's at the bottom of the ocean. Move on to the next book. Don't do that, you know. No, God has not given up on him. And look what he does in verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God has already provided a a violent storm. And now God provides this huge fish. And you might be thinking, is God punishing Jonah? Is the fish a punishment? That Jonah's like, I'm already about to die. And now I'm not just going to drown. I'm going to be eaten by a fish. But can I tell you something? This fish is not a punishment from God. It's actually a provision from God to save Jonah. This fish is going is to take Jonah back to dry land. That ship that he hopped on, his own choice, our own choices, it was leading Jonah to death, to away from life. God provides this fish to carry Jonah back to dry land. And he's going to take the long way around because it's going to be three days and three nights before Jonah gets back to dry land so that he can follow God. He can obey God. And the common response, I get it. And we get to ask these questions. Could a human being really survive in a fish? That's a great question. I know there's historical data. We look at different things. Well, maybe it could. There was this one dude, one place that was swallowed by a fish and his skin got bleached. And and we do all these things. Yes, that's awesome. That's a great question. But the, the fish is not the biggest miracle in this book. The biggest miracle in this book is not, can a man survive in the belly of a fish for three days? There's something more miraculous, more awesome, even more unbelievable than a fish swallowing Jonah. The miracle of this story is that God rescues a rebellious prophet. That God comes to a prophet, one of his own people who turn from him, who disobey him who goes their own way and God shows mercy and grace and sends a fish to rescue, to save Jonah from a death that he deserved. Jonah deserved death. He even says it earlier. He says, listen to the sailors, this storm is my fault. So you should throw me into the ocean knowing that that's gonna kill me. God saves Jonah from a death that Jonah deserved. So this fish actually displays God's unrelenting love for his people, for all people. He saves the the sailors from the storm. He saves a, a rebellious Israelite prophet. And the miracle continues today that God rescues the rebellious. God rescues those of us who choose to go the opposite way of God. God chooses to to provide what we need to be saved. He saves sinners like you and like me. And God stands ready to save. Do you know that God is disposed to be kind and merciful and gracious toward sinners? That God wants nothing more than to bring Jonah back to him. And God wants nothing more than to bring us back to him as well. God's calling upon your life, his invitation, his commands are actually leading you in the best life 
He's leading you in the most peace, the way that there's gonna be purpose in your life. He wants you to truly live. But when we run from God, we are actually inviting pain and shame and even death into our own life and into the life of those around us. God is pursuing each one of us today. He's pursuing you and God is not pursuing you to punish you. God is pursuing you to save you, to bring you life. And he might even use a fish to do it. He might even use something difficult. I'll tell you, we're gonna leave Jonah in the fish today. We're gonna finish and, and just think about him all day long going, he's still in the belly of the fish. It, I'm sure it was not a comfortable place. It was probably miserable. And he had three days, kind of like a timeout. Kids, have you ever been set on a timeout? Have you ever been set on a three-day timeout? Jonah's on a three-day timeout to think about. You need to think about what you've done, Jonah. <laughs> think about how this is not working out for you. The fish, though, is not a punishment, but it's a provision to save. Kids, and, and maybe even dads, can you ever think of something in your life that, that happened? Maybe you even brought it on yourself, and it was very uncomfortable, very unpleasant. And you might have thought that God was punishing you. You might have thought that God was angry at you. But in reality, God may have used that situation to save you. He may have used that situation to help you come to your senses. Kids, you might be thinking when, when even bad stuff happens in life that you didn't do, you might be thinking, is God mad at me? Does God hate me? Or is God gonna use this difficult situation and is he gonna hijack it? He's gonna hijack it to bring about his good purposes. Dads, maybe you think today, and that could be something to share with your kids, if there was ever a difficult situation that you either brought on yourself or maybe just happened to you and you realize that God actually used that circumstance to bring life and to turn you around. I'll close with this story um, uh, because there was something foolish I did when I was a teenager, a, a young man, um, and God sat me down, not for three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, he sat me on the bench for four weeks. I, I, played, uh, I played volleyball. This is not easy for me to admit in a men's you know, retreat with a bunch of men, but I played collegiate volleyball. <laughs> you guys are like, what? Is there, is there really men's volleyball? There is. That's okay. No, 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 it's okay. I feel like I just admitted a big sin in my life. Yeah, it's okay, Trav. We still love you. Uh, I wasn't a football kind of guy, but I, I played volleyball in my freshman year at a state university, a small one in California, I rode the bench. And if you guys ever ride the bench, not yet. As you get older, you're gonna ride the bench more. I, I didn't get in my freshman year, but my sophomore year, I earned a, a starting position as a setter on this men's volleyball team. And, and the last practice scrimmage before our season was to start, um, we were at La Sierra University and, uh, and we weren't playing well and I wasn't playing well. And after my scrimmage, I got so upset at, at how I was playing. I used to get very angry on the court, even though I was one of the only Christians on that court. I got very angry and I went over to a padded wall and I punched a padded wall to display my anger. And the padded wall won. <laughs> and I broke my hand. Broke my hand on a padded wall. How uncool is that? And immediately I knew what I had done. And our first game of the season was three days later. And I'm sitting there with a broken hand. And eventually I had to go to the doctor and they, they put me in a cast. And the doctor said, I want you to come back to me in four weeks. 
And I counted four weeks, that's eight games, the first eight games of my sophomore collegiate season. And I wouldn't spend those eight games on the court setting the volleyball. I would send it, I'd spend it on the bench watching my teammates play with a, with a club on my hand. Whose fault was it that I broke my hand? Mine, 100%. And God allowed me to experience the consequence of my own foolish decisions. But I sat there, you guys, for four weeks. And I had a lot of time with the Lord as I watched my teammates play. As I sat there and said, God, I'm sorry. I I have not carried myself as a godly man. And I would do anything to be out on that court. In fact, I'd rather lose a game and be on the court rather than sit here with a, with a cast on my hand because I have a, an issue with my anger. Can I tell you that I don't believe that God was punishing me. I think that broken hand was actually a provision of God, a provision of God to change my thinking, to actually bring life. And I changed. When I got that cast off, I was a different man. I was a different player. I continued to play there. And then when I transferred to another university, they had a men's team. And, and I'll tell you, I look back at that. That, God sat me down and it wasn't a, a punishment. It wasn't because he was angry. It was a provision to save me. And so you guys, as we go through life, God will allow these things. Whether you bring it on yourself or sometimes there's just hard circumstances. God's not mad at you or angry with you, but he's gonna, he's gonna use that to grow you and to bring out something beautiful. We're gonna leave Jonah in the belly of the fish today. We'll pick him back up uh, tonight. Let me pray for us. And then uh, gentlemen, you are free to go after this to the various places um, that you have and the wonderful activities. Let me pray over us. Father, we get so excited about this big fish, Lord, in the book, but really the bigger story is that, that you rescued a rebellious prophet, that you saved Jonah from a death that he deserved. And Lord, you, you provided for us, not a fish, but you provided your own son, Jesus Christ. You went so far to provide for us a sacrifice that could forgive us of our sins and that could welcome us back to you. That's how far you would go to rescue us and bring us back to you. So fathers, we go about our day. I pray your blessing upon the fathers, upon the sons, upon their conversations, upon their activities together. And Lord, would you continue to teach us of your unrelenting love as we study the book of Jonah. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.